When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, uh, Yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run for your Monday night. This is your chance to have your say on the news of the day. And I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can. However you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in, it's wonderful to have your company on the Macca's Run. Make sure on the way home you grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. It's got the special sauce, the juicy beef. So grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today, recapping you on all the major stories and all the major discussions across the day uh, on SEN. So whoever you're finding us, wherever you're finding us on the SEN network, you can call at any time, one 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts. You can text in at any stage, 433 We always like to do Mondays in terms of back page. That's where you want to be uh, if you're a sporting organisation. The back page is where the good stuff and the good stories are. The front page is where you don't want to be. So we'll start with the back page stuff. And what a time we are in in the season so far. 12 teams still in the hunt for the eight. We've got four teams within a game of top spot. Two teams within two games of top spot. Two teams outside just on percentage alone and another two teams just a game outside. So how bloody good is footy and how good was that round of footy? Maybe, given that it was only the fifth time that all top eight teams had played another top eight team, maybe some of those games might have been a little better. But gee, we got some fantastic footy and some really, really tasty stories out of the round, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and the AFL have announced that round fifteen had three matches that had record crowds between the two competing teams. So Thursday night, the D's and the Lions. Saturday's Carlton Frio crowd of thirty five four four one was a record between those two teams, and Geelong hosting Richmond fifty nine three three five was a record, and so too was Port Adelaide and the Gold Coast Suns. That was the second highest attended match between those two clubs ever. So round fifteen third highest attended round for the season behinds round one and three. So that just, I think, goes to show you the calibre uh, of the footy that we've we've got happening at the moment, the tightness of the season, uh, the performance of the teams involved. We've got stars playing in every single team in the competition. So footy is in a really healthy place. And I hope you found something to really enjoy out of the weekend. Yes, there's some front page stuff, but by and large, there's a real positivity coming out of this round that maybe we haven't had for the last couple of weeks. So let's start from Thursday night. Melbourne just showing us the devil we know and the devil we've come to know uh, is back uh, in a big way. So they beat the Lions and they beat up the Lions to the tune of 64 points, 19 more inside 50s, 11 more clearances, plus 38 in contested possessions 
77 points from turnover. They bullied the Lions at stages, so much so that I, I don't know if Fair Work have got a call today to maybe lodge a complaint. Uh, that's just how mean it got at times. Viney played the best game I've seen him play, and um, he might not even get votes because of it. Um, uh, Oliver, phenomenal. 35, 12 clearances, 11 score involvements. Petrarca, 797 metres, nine inside 50s, nine score involvements from his 31. 14 of those were contested. Jack Viney, though, in the absence of Max Gorn, was all leadership. He was all heart. Uh, he was the hero for mine. 34 disposals, 19 contested, eight clearances, 10 inside 50s, eight score involvements. Jack, uh, Jake Lever back doing Lever things, 15 intercepts. Brayshaw had 12 of those too. Is he a sneaky chance for Melbourne's best and fairest? I don't think you'll poll Brownlow-wise as much as others, but internally, given that he has been asked, hey, we don't have a spot in the midfield for you right now. We know you want to play there. Can you go back and do a job for us? Christian Salem's been out most of the year. He had 12 intercepts. He would be top three, I reckon, in their best and fairest. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I know that Max Gorn, Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver get more of the plaudits. But Angus Brayshaw is having a very, very good season. And Luke Jackson might have put another number in front of the zeros. It's not the ruck work. It's not what he can do uh, as a marking forward. It's the way he moves for a guy his size that I can only think of Buddy as another guy who moves. But this guy is is bigger. He's a ruck. And yet he moves like that. He can put a handbrake on and put a step around to play. He can run through the middle and hit up a leading forward. He is a unicorn. As much as I don't like that word. Uh, The Lions' defence, a huge issue. Their midfield had a bad game. But they're still one of the best-ranked midfielders but they average 97 points against 10th ranked defence in terms of points against. So there's issues for the Lions as well. David King spoke uh, on SEN today about the Ds. And then, of course, all the conversations track back to the team that we said for weeks has been going at 70% and is still in the top one, two or three teams in the competition at 70% went whack and said, you know what, don't forget about us because this is what we can do. When we're absolutely challenged and at our best – and you're telling us that Brisbane are the best in the comp at the moment? Well, we'll just, we'll just give you a little reminder of the scope we've got as a group. And it won't be necessarily the ace, the king, or the queen, or the jack. It might be any of these players. And Viney said, hey, 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 I know you're talking about Max Gorn. I know you're talking about Stephen May. I've heard the Oliver and Petrarca chat. But he's far from the third musketeer in that midfield. And he just said, this is how hard I can, I can play. And he, he looked at Cam Rayner in the eye and he said, can you come with me? And Cam said, no, I can't go there. Jared Lyons, not for me. Lockie Neal, not for me. And and that's going to have some lag. David King on the means test with Jared Waitley earlier today. Nathan Jones with Dwayne Russell. I thought the Ds were formidable, really. Like, that was uh, – that's the best I've seen them play since the grand final. Um, they were the complete – back to being the complete package – Nathan Jones earlier today. And Nathan Buckley on the lines with Gary Lyon this morning on SEN Breakfast. Brisbane are in a, in a, in a patch in the last four or five weeks. I haven't seen them in, the la- in, the, in that time you're talking about. This is as, as dour as they've been. And I, I've actually, they're not as sharp contested ball-wise. They're relying too much on their better players. They're not playing efficient team football, which is what, is, what they've cut their cloth on to get them to the position they're at. They're a 10 and 4 team. They're they're probably at the moment they're the worst travelling ten and four team. They've travelled a lot for a long They've time. They've had a very very they, they, heavy schedule. That is a good point because that those things have an impact. 
So in the next two or three weeks, it'll be interesting to see can they get their legs back underneath them because they look like a side that is that just doesn't yeah. have that sharpness. Uh, well, Nathan Buckley on the Brisbane Lions. The Western Bulldogs have won five out of their last six now. 42-point win over the Hawks. They got 52 points from stoppage. That is their strong suit. Um, from their wins this year, eight wins have kicked over 100 points. Uh, and in the losses, they average about 70 points. It's a fair differential there. The third quarter, they kicked six goals to one. That put the Hawks away, as we know. But the seven goals to seven in the last quarter will still give Luke Beveridge a little bit, of, a little bit less sleep than maybe uh, he would have got if they had have been able to stick fat in that last quarter. How great was Riley West um, having another great game? I'm, I'm, I get quite, I get really drawn to the sentimentality and the, um, the emotion around father-son and father-daughter and what will end up being mother-son and mother-daughter eventually down the track. It's a, the most be- one of the most beautiful parts of our game is the family legacy and how we celebrate it. We saw it with Jackson Archer yesterday. But Riley West... His father, obviously, one of the Bulldogs' greatest ever. Another good game for him. Uh, he got coaches' votes as well. He's been made to earn it along the way, but making the most of his chances. I thought he was a great story uh, out of the weekend. Um, the Sicily headband fine, I'm going to go far as say, might be one of the funniest, uh, slightly embarrassing, but certainly one of the funniest things I've seen this year. There's been some silly decisions made in terms of some MRO, but this one certainly takes a cake, I reckon. Um, it's fun police stuff. It's nanny state stuff. And I hate both those expressions, but nothing more aptly applies to this one from just being a little cheeky and ripping the headband off Aaron Norton on Friday night. Surely we can see the humour in that. Surely there's uh, something a little bit funny about that. Yes, it's mischievous. Yes, it's cheeky. But is that finable? Is that really finable? Are we going to issue retroactive fines for Cameron Clayton and Kevin Ablett for doing it to Bruce Duell back in the day? No, that, there's nothing in that. There's nothing in that at all. Uh, and that was a little disappointing, I would have thought. There's, you've got to be able to find the funny. And that certainly was the funny. And the players had a laugh about it after. There's no harm done there. We should pass around the hat, I reckon, for Sis, and he shouldn't have to pay that one. And the hundreds for the Bulldogs. Bevo, the first Dogs coach to get 100 wins. Congratulations to him. Jack McRae, um, the first the, or the quickest player to 130-plus disposal games. That's saying something. Have a look back at all the, the, the great midfielders over the journey. And for Jack McRae uh, to, have, to be the quickest to 130-plus games, that is saying something. They've got a tough run home, though, the Dogs. They've got Brizzy next week at the Gabba. They've got Sydney at the SCG after that. St Kilda at Marvel, then Melbourne at Marvel, Geelong at GMHBA, and Freo at Marvel. So it's not a fait accompli just yet for the Bulldogs, but they are starting to get back to their, maybe not their best form, but to much better form. Uh, West Coast and Essendon. Haven't been much spoken about this, but for West Coast, who kicked 10 straight at one stage during that game, uh, Josh Kennedy kicking... Uh, five and Willie Rioli got three from 19 disposals and four clearance. It's the first time West Coast have turned up all year. They are the second lowest scoring team in the comp. That's how bad Essendon's defence was. They haven't won in Perth in 12 months. It's been nine straight losses for West Coast. Ben Rutten spoke to injuries, but that's not the team I would have done that against given West Coast horror run with injuries and player unavailability. And I love, speaking of footy legacy, you know you've left a legacy. Kevin Sheedy we know is a legend of the game. But it is... Since 1993, 
when Kevin Sheedy first waved the scarf. That's how far back we're going. West Coast Eagles fans never forget. And to see all the scarves being waved, I thought that was a brilliant throwback. It's, again, history of our game is what makes it what it is today. And to see all the West Coast fans who have had nothing to get excited about all year, 40,000 of them turned up for the Bombers game. And they all wave their scarves uh, in unison uh, at the end. That's when you know you've left a mark on the game. 1993 when he did that. And still to this day in 2022, they're waving the scarves. Um, Matty Lloyd had this to say about Ben Rutten. I think Ben Rutten should be under pressure uh, for his job. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think something has to give at Essendon. I think they've taken this probably, you know, some will say we, we're doing it pretty well because we're not you know, you know, trying to um, you know, look like you know, we're falling apart as a football club. But also you can be too, just roll along with the punch. Accepting. And that's yeah. where I think they're being too accepting with where it's at at the moment. To believe. I, I want a proper review. I want a review for everyone to look at what's going wrong at the club and why it's been so mediocre for so long. And there is a man called Alistair Clarkson sitting there looking for a job. And could he be the, the thing that wakes up this football club from its slumber? Matty Lloyd, Nathan Buckley. That was Matty Lloyd yesterday uh, on the Sunday footy show on Channel 9. Nathan Buckley spoke to those comments today on SEN Breakfast. I mean, Lloydy, as a guy who's close enough to it, but has, but at the same time, his his thoughts and opinions are emotional thoughts and opinions. You can't escape and yeah. separate yourself from the yeah, blood, sweat, and tears that he's put into it the. Doesn't make club. him wrong, though. No, it doesn't make him wrong, but he's probably going to have more um, a, a more emotional connection and response yeah. to what's going on there because he's because he's given so much of his life to the club. Nathan Buckley, uh, earlier today, sen.com.au, to hear that full show from SEN Breakfast. Um, and I haven't had as much, I don't know if I've had as much fun this year calling a game than I had calling Carlton Frio. The Carlton faithful are like a 23rd player. Um, they ride every single moment uh, of a game, that, and no disrespect to other fans, because there are as passionate fans out there, but... I don't know if as many fan bases are as engaged with the moment-to-moment in a game of footy that Carlton are. They're, they don't stop making noise for and against throughout the course of a game. And when there's almost 40,000 at Marvel, it's a brilliant atmosphere and it's a credit to the Carlton fans. Love them or hate them. Happy or sad that they are where they are. It was as enjoyable a day of footy as I can remember having uh, in a year where I've had a lot of them. Um, I love the fact that the back page part of this for me, the good news story out of this was, if you're the Carlton defence at the moment looking at how many players they've got out and the list is long and distinguished and they're looking around going, geez, we're going to be up against it today against a, a top four side. How do you look after an undermanned defence? Will you make sure that they don't get put under any more pressure than they absolutely have to? So Carlton were just hell-bent on protecting their defence to surge forward at every opportunity. At times, they were like rugby league front rowers, just trying to surge their way through a line and dive, you know, just to get an extra couple of yards. But they were phenomenal in that they just refused to relent in the middle and they dominated Frio uh, in the guts. They beat them up. Uh, and they made sure that their defence only had to fight when absolutely necessary. And when they did have to, they held up, which is a credit to them. They had 17 inside 50 tackles. It's their best of the year, and that just shows you the intent to live in their forward half as much as possible to protect their back six. So I thought that was incredibly impressive. Sam Walsh, 40 disposals, 11 inside 50s. He had seven clearances, six score involvements, and over 500 metres, as good a game as you've seen played this year. And Tom DeConing, 
We're speaking a lot about Sam De Koning, the younger brother. Tom De Koning is going to be a star. Um, he was brilliant. And the moment that he rose up over Darcy, if you remember this in the third quarter, palmed it perfectly down to the running Hewitt at full stretch, who laced out Kerno on the lead. Speaking of Kerno, he kicked four after being beaten early. And if you look at any great team that's been successful, they all point to one or two drafts where they feel like the foundation of their success was laid. If you're Carlton fans at the moment, just give thanks to Steve Silvani, not just for what he did for you as a player, but what he did for you as a list manager as well. The 2015 draft, Weedering number one, Mackay at 10, Kerno at 12. Kennedy went to the Giants at pick 13. They've got him now. And by the way, there's a bloke called Jack Silvani who went at pick 53 as a father-son. So thank him for that too, Steve Silvani, that he's, the genes continued on from Serge to Steve to Jack. Jack's becoming one of my favourite players. He is an out-and-out warrior. He is what the kids would say, ride or die. He is all or nothing. He is the player Al Pacino was talking about in any given Sunday that would die for that inch. He plays so much bigger than he is. He is all heart, and you can't help but love the way that he goes about it. This is Jerry Waitley today speaking about the Blues. Can they make finals? The best bit was clearly Carlton. So I'm told, I didn't see this myself, I'm told there was a panel yesterday where they were all asked, can Carlton win the flag? And everyone went, no. Hell yeah. <laughs> Carlton can win the flag, David King. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> when does hell yeah become part of you? Stone cold. Can they win? Can they make finals? Hell yeah, according to Jared. Can they win the grand final? Hell yeah, according to Jared Michael Voss after the game. I expect them to return serve on us, but for us to be able to sort of get into that arm wrestle and be happy to live in that space for a while was um, just showed huge growth. Um, so very proud of them. Um, you know, it was our, I think, our best performance um, clearly for the year. Um, and to sort of play all phases um, well um, and for the entirety of the game, I thought was really impressive. Uh, such was the uh, enormity of this round and such was the, the positivity come out of it. We're only a few games in, uh, but there's obviously a lot to speak about with Tom Stewart referred directly to the tribunal. Uh, coming up at 6.30, Ian Finlay uh, had a career, a long and distinguished one, um, representing and defending players as a player's advocate at the tribunal. So this, the reason this goes straight to tribunal is because this is, this is the epitome of what the game is trying to take out, the weaponised bump where it is just to take out a player. This is not a crack at Tom Stewart, who's put his hand up to say, I know I've got it wrong. But this is exactly the perfect example of what we cannot have in the game anymore. So it gets straight to the tribunal. So I'm going to ask Ian Finlay to come on and try to defend the indefensible. And how might Geelong do it to minimise the amount? We're not advocating for that to happen. We're not trying to downplay or not respect what we're trying to do with concussion. But it's an interesting exercise to see how Geelong might approach this Tomorrow night, we'll do all of that to coming up uh, on the Macca's Run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, welcome back to the Rack- Macca's Run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, Ian Finlay is going to join me, former player's advocate, uh, represented m- many and varied at the tribunal over a very long time. We will try and get him to give us an insight on how might Geelong try to defend Tom Stewart tomorrow night. Um, how do you defend the indefensible is what we're setting this up as. Um, I think we're all in agreement that a minimum of four is what's required here. This is the poster of what we're trying to eradicate from the game. Uh, Tom Stewart's put his hand up to say that he knows he's done the wrong thing. He was de- defended his character by Chris Scott, who also acknowledged that that was not 
uh, the right action. Um, so how do you defend it at the tribunal? What might Geelong try to do to minimise the amount suspended? We're not advocating for that, but it's an interesting exercise to run how they approach it. Or do they just lay themselves at the mercy, given what we're trying to do with concussion at the tribunal? Um, it's a shame that that's what we're talking about coming out of what I reckon is the best game we've seen all year. And I'm happy to take your nominations for it. But it was a classic. It lived up to the billing. Uh, Cats by three points in the end. 35 points they got out to in the second term. Tigers then kicked 10 out of the next 12 to lead by 17 early in the last before Stengel, who I reckon at the moment, if you did the All-Australian team, it's a coin toss between he and Charlie Cameron for the small forward role. He's having a brilliant season and might just be starting to stretch in the recruit of the year stakes. I know that Brody and Hewitt are a couple of those. Chol who are still um, in the contention there. But what a season and what a difference uh, Stengel is making. Um, after that horrible hit that Tom Stewart put on Dion Prestier, and um, we're still waiting for a bit of a clarification on why play wasn't stopped and what are the rules around play being stopped. They were one man down for a while, weren't they, Richmond, in that game. But there were heroes that looked to stand up. Rioli's moment was huge with two minutes to play. And then... Rewalt's mark being reversed with 11 minutes to play before that. Geelong had one taken away from them too. Jack Henry, the hero, going back with the flight after Stengel got it on the boot and the clearance before that was so crucial. That was the game of the year, I reckon. If you've got a nomination, 0433981116. Geelong now into second. That's a really manageable run home. They've got North. At home, then the D's at home. Blues, Port, Western Bulldogs, Saints, Suns and West Coast. Then the Tigers, out of the eight now, they've got West Coast, Gold Coast, North, Frio, Lions, Port, Hawks and Essendon. And in the coaches' votes, interestingly enough, Tom Stewart got four votes. I reckon they would have all been from Chris Scott. So if you don't think that the Tigers are pretty filthy on what uh, what transpired with Dion Prestia, the fact that I don't think... From what I can, what I'm, my hunch is that those four votes didn't come from Damian Hardwick. So, um, if you don't think there's going to be an interesting, an interesting vibe about the next time these two teams meet, then uh, we might all be kidding ourselves. Plenty still to work through from what was an incredible round. Uh, but up next, we will speak to Ian Finlay, Bruno, and Geelong. Stay right there. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. I don't think it's careless. Like, from what I saw, that was an intentional hit. Yeah. That's so would I, you would you be up four or five, or would you be up higher well, than that? However it spits out. I said at the time it's a three, four or five week penalty. So I don't know where it sits there or how it sits, but... I don't, careless. I keep. I, I settle when I, I even three feels feels a little bit under. I settle on four. I settle on four, which is a month of footy, which is a which it's is a, footy, it's, yeah. it's a it's a significant penalty. If that's not intentional, Jared, I don't know what is, and, and I don't understand careless or reckless. What's what's careless. the term we're going with these days? Careless. careless. I don't understand careless. If you go past the ball, shape to bump, and execute the perfect bump in terms of the actual bump. What you've designed to do, excellence. And these guys, uh, they've got such dexterity. They, they can do anything. It's amazing how as soon as they make an error, they're the clumsiest people in the world. But outside of that moment, they're the most gifted, elite-performing athletes we've got. So I don't, I don't, that doesn't wash with me. Now, I think he's made a mistake. 
But the actual act, the actual act is performed with excellence. He did what he designed to do in that split moment. So he made a poor decision, but the, the act is, is, is what I want to talk about. Not that he's a good guy and not that he's made phone calls since and not that he's shown remorse at quarter time and all of that's fine. But the act is what we've got to take out of our game. Not who does it, the act. I'm sort of at the mercy of the tribunal now and as I said, I understand that it was a, a, a poor act and a poor decision by myself, but I have to live with that now and that, I think that's the hardest thing for me. Welcome back to the Macca's Run. So Gary Lyon, Nathan Buckley, then David King all on SEN today and then Tom Stewart, uh, that audio courtesy of Channel 9, he also said when uh, stopped today that he understood that I, he'd made a wrong decision. He said, and it still sits in my gut and still makes me feel quite ill. I understand that in that moment all I could do was try to help the team and unfortunately whatever happens going forward, I can't do that for however long that period is. So the MRO uh, assessed that incident as rough conduct graded the bumpers careless conduct, severe impact and high contact. So despite Chris Scott's admission and and owning up to the fact that Tom Stewart had said to him that he chose to bump, that's still being graded as careless, not intentional, despite the fact that we have an admission from player and coach that he did intend to bump. Of course, he didn't intend for the consequences of the bump to unfold, but he did intend to bump. So the ruling of careless is a confusing one to me because when, and rightly so as we are now, trying diligently to eradicate that action from the game. So the bump is still okay to Shepard, but it is not okay to take out a player. The weaponization of the bump is what we're trying to remove altogether from our game with what we understand now um, the when we're still only scratching the surface of the, the effects that concussion can have long-term on a human being. So the idea was from the AFL that they said, you can still bump, but if you do and you get somebody high and if you choose to bump, you will suffer the consequences. So the careless grading of this is a confusing one. So how do you defend tomorrow night at the tribunal what would seem to be the indefensible? This has been referred straight to the tribunal and it should be because it needs to be a reminder that this is exactly why we are striving for what we're striving for, why we're trying to remove. This is the exact act that we're trying to get rid of out of the game. So no one better to turn to in these situations than a man who's had to go through this many times uh, in his life and in his career. Uh, He was a long-time player advocate at the tribunal, has represented some of the biggest names in the game, and he's been good enough to come on. Now, Ian Finlay, hello to you. Hello, Sam. Now, so obviously we're not advocating um, for, and we're not trying to excuse the act. We're not trying to, um, to be dismissive of the act. But it is interesting to run the exercise about what Geelong might do tomorrow night at the tribunal. So if this was you called upon by the Cats, how do you approach this? Do you try and defend what is considered by many the indefensible, or do you lay yourself at the mercy of the tribunal? Put your hand up as he already has and say, oh, I, I've, I've got this wrong. Dan, I completely agree with your comments of what you've just said in relation to the act and the fact that football has gone past this and we should not have that in the game. However, what I would do is I would have spent Nearly all day today at the Geelong Football Club, I would have spoken with Tom, I would have spoken with the officials, I would have spoken with his coaches. What I would do if I did it, you have to present 
you have to put a picture and paint a picture to the tribunal about Tom Stewart. How does he play footy? Does he play this way? No. Is he respected within the league by his peers? Most certainly. So I would say to the club, we need some character references in relation to Tom, how Tom is perceived at the club, how Tom is perceived by the other players, how he's perceived by his peers within the league. You then have to go to the tribunal and present that picture to them of Tom Stewart. I would certainly speak with the advocate. I don't know who he is now. It used to be Jeff Gleeson, but I understand he's now the tribunal chairman. And I would speak to them prior to the hearing to see which way they wanted to go, what their inference was and what they wanted to put to the tribunal in relation to penalty. Because the whole thing you have to do here, irrespective of what everyone else says, you have to try and minimise what the penalty is. Will it be three weeks? Will it be four weeks? Will it be five? I don't know. But I would certainly put a case to them in relation to what the club would think the penalty should be. And I would certainly put a case of Tom and present that picture to them. And I would certainly get Tom to get up and address the members of the panel as to how and what his actions were on the day. Only he can know that, no one else. And that's how I would do it. Would you be looking, Ian, to try and find some examples similar um, Peter Jess has said today that he doesn't think that the message is getting through to players when it comes to trying to protect the head and, and the dangers of concussion and, and head high hits and dangerous tackles. Are there examples like this that you would look to call upon? Look, I know Peter very well. and In fact, I've actually had discussions with Peter in relation to Oldham players who are now suffering from these debilitating injuries in relation to concussion. There are examples there. Uh, they're not good examples, and the examples that the tribunal has been pretty heavy on. And look, I completely agree with all the comments with Gary, with Buck, yourself. You have got to protect the head at all costs. Did he have a brain fade? I don't know. These are questions you'd have to put to Tom as to why and what he was thinking at the time. Only he can answer that. But was it a situation that we want in football? No. So, Carlton, the interesting grading of careless, has that actually done Carlton, has that actually helped Carlton in trying to keep the amount of weeks that, uh, sorry, Carlton, has that actually helped Geelong um, in terms of, yes, thank you. Has that actually helped um, Geelong in terms of the amount of weeks that they'd be hoping to keep this to because it wasn't graded um, as intentional? Well, look, that's certainly the question that would have to be put to uh, Mr. Christian. Uh, as to why he graded it that way, I don't know how he viewed it, how he looked at it, but uh, does it help him? No, certainly it does. He says intentional. Oh, golly, that's you're really going in to do it. Now, I think that was David King's comment. But uh, Michael has graded it fearless, so that's what they've got to go with. The severe impact side, is that an area, Ian, that, that that's the speculation that maybe they'll try and contest the, the severe grading of the impact and get it down to high impact? Do you see that as as an avenue for Geelong that would bear any fruit? I don't think they would do that. Now, I don't know. I don't know who's representing them or what they're doing, but 
I don't think that would stand up to trying to get uh, downgraded. It certainly was to do. Yami had to look at the young fellow when he hit the ground. He was gone before he hit the ground. Yep. But on the other side of the point, you also had to look at, I guess, Tom, when he was spoken to by his coach and by his other. He certainly knew he did the wrong thing. And I think that impacted on him. And I think it's still that. And I think it still will going forward as to what had happened because with an injury like that, oh, nothing, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ian Finlay, long-time players advocate, and the question is how do you defend what would seem to be the indefensible? Ian, can clubs get them – in the court of public opinion, did Geelong, depending on how they argue this, run the risk of losing the PR battle here? Because if you try – if you are too strident in in your defence, if you if it starts to look like maybe that you don't, and and Chris Scott went to great pains to say that you know they did it would it disadvantage Richmond that that Tom felt awful that he'd done the wrong thing, um, they they did put their hand up to, to to try and take ownership. People have questioned whether throwing up how good a bloke he is was timely. Um, but do you risk losing in the court of public opinion if it seems like you are trying too vehemently to argue against something in a space that is so important to the game at the moment? Look, I think the long will go in there. I don't know, but this is what my thoughts are. They would be very conciliatory about the whole thing and certainly they'd put their hand up. Tom put his hand up and owned it. The only thing I would say is in the defence of him going to the tribunal is his past record. And mm-hmm. certainly I would have put together today, I would have spent a lot of time going through his record, what he's done, how he's played the game. And I would certainly put that to the tribunal because bear in mind, you only get one chance to come and claim your credit. And this is the only time he's going to get that. You only get one go at this to claim the credit back for things he's done. Will they... Uh, look at that, maybe, I don't know. But certainly you would put all that to them. And, but I don't think you'll find Geelong going in there saying, look, this happened because uh, the other press you did this. Or put, uh, no, I don't think that'll happen. It'll be a situation of a plea of guilty and then they'll work from there. And I think the whole case will revolve around the prosecutor for the AFL and the defence counsel for Geelong working out what the penalty's going to be and what they put to the tribunal and then it's up to them to make it decision. Ian, the, we've seen before, I think it was Basher Hooley that brought in character references like sort of what you're talking about, and that actually worked until on appeal, uh, what was two weeks ended up being four. Um, do we feel like, despite how good a character Tom is, this is just such a clear-cut example of everything that the AFL is trying to do that character probably won't be considered by the tribunal, given... As David King was saying, it just has to be judged on the action, not the person committing the action. Well, look, I'm chairman of the Northern Footy League Appeal Court. I'm chairman of the Southern Peninsula Appeal Court. And if I get a player that comes up to me and the panel that I sit with, and he's had an exemplary record and made an error in judgment on the day, yeah, I certainly look at that. Well, it's going to be a, a, an interesting. Very interesting tribunal case. Uh, I I think it's one of those where I don't know how you go about trying to uh, reduce it, but they've got to mount some kind of case. So I appreciate you um, giving us an insight in how they might go about it. Uh, really appreciate your time as always, Ian. Dan, always a pleasure to talk to you and love your case. Oh, you're a good man. Uh, Ian Finlay.
How do you defend uh, what looks to be the indefensible uh, tomorrow night at the tribunal? Geelong will have to try uh, and do that. Um, apologies, we just had a bit of a, 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 a funny line there. So a couple of people bring th- that up. Uh, so apologies if you weren't able to hear all of that. And um, we are looking to try and find an update, and we don't have one yet from the Richmond Footy Club, but we're just checking uh, through press releases and whatnot to get the latest on the update of Dion Prestia. And, of course, you know, I said this yesterday on uh, Sunday Crunch Time that at the moment it's about what's going to happen for Tom Stewart in terms of the suspension but all of our care and um, all of our compassion and all of our concern really does need to be with Dion Prestia, who, if you've seen that, it's pretty confronting. He was in a really bad way, um, Dion Prestia. So, again, we're not trying to lose sight of the person who'd be hurting the most at the moment, Dion Prestia, but with a tribunal case tomorrow night, we thought we'd see if we could run the exercise uh, not to condone or not to try and get Tom Stewart off, but to get an insight into how Geelong might approach this. And Ian Finlay's uh, been in these positions many a time. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say on the news of the day, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. It has raised the conversation about red cards and sin bins. Kane Corns put it back on the agenda on Sunday. Um, John Longmire weighed in on that today in his press conference, the Sydney Swans coach. Oh, look, I, I think first and foremost... Um, we have to make sure we don't react to one incident. Um, I think if we're going to go down the path of looking at that, there needs to be some some more uh, uh, research put into how many times it happens and the impact of it. And you know, to, to, to just come off the back of one incident and to be a bit reactionary, I think it's not the way to go. We need to just um, have a bit of a deep breath, see if it's a real issue or not. Uh, first and foremost, before we, we talk about supporting it or not. John Longmire, so have your say, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 736 Are you an advocate? Are you a fan of the red card? I'm not, but I'm also not a fan of a team being disadvantaged for, for as long as Richmond were um, because the play continued to go on around them. Um, that's the part that I, I think really did. I mean, we haven't... It's The medical sub now is... Um, where probably if we didn't have the medical sub, you could mount a, a stronger case for the, the sin bin or the red card. But we do have the ability now to replace a player straight away um, from the 22. Uh, and then the, obviously the, the, the response to that will be, well, what if they've already used their medical sub? And there's a lot of what ifs that can go on around it. Um, there's a lot of people point to the fact that there are red card processes in so many other sports. I don't know if that's a reason why we should have it, but you could have your say on it. The debate is a good one. I don't know if the I don't know if the the implementation of it is, is the right idea. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. And to I don't know who this is off the text, but if I'm being picked up on my pronunciation of tribunal, if you're hearing the R in there, it's probably just my country twang. I'm sorry about that, and I'm sorry that it's upset you so much that you felt the need to text in. But I'll endeavour to do better so as to not upset you uh, in the future. Uh, off the text, what a beat-up. Prestia got in the way, and he's vertically challenged. If Tom Lynch or Trent Cochin hit someone, they would have got a fine. Richmond uh, grubs what goes around comes around. That is the clubhouse leader of the dumbest text of the week. Feel free to continue to put your nominations in. Um, this is the Macca's Run. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. 
With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Yeah, look, it's been a form stump that we've um, been disappointed in, no doubt. Um, I think every club in the eight has sort of had their fortnight or month where they've been a bit down this year and the good ones have bounced back out of it. So that's certainly, um, you know, that's certainly our focus now is to get ourselves back on track. Um, and no better chance than Friday night footy against Carlton. So, yeah, it's been it's been a disappointing, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, look, I think our effort against Essendon was disappointing. There's no doubt. I think our effort was there against the Swans. Um, we've got some players that are not playing as well as they were a few weeks back. I think some clubs are playing us a lot better as well and probably unpicked our system a bit better than perhaps um, the way we bounced out of the blocks in the, you know, the first six or seven weeks. So it's a combination of all that. I mean, it's not as simple as to just suggest it's one or the other. But, um, yeah, we've certainly got to get back to the effort levels have to be at at their at their highest point to beat teams. There's no easy games in in this comp, so um, I think the effort was was back uh, on the right trajectory this week. But um, certainly some some form issues uh, aren't helping. St Kilda CEO uh, Simon Lethleen uh, on SEN earlier today on SEN Breakfast SEN.com.au to hear the full chat. He spoke about uh, the possibility of Jordan Degoe joining their football club and their process behind how they look at free agents. Uh, also to Nick Rewalt's comments uh, a couple of weeks ago about. Uh, maybe being too early on the process of uh, starting to re-sign or the conversations around re-signing coach Brett Ratton in his third year and maybe uh, knocking on Alistair Clarkson's door might have been pertinent uh, and good governance. But a 51-point loss to the Swans, who put him to the sword in the second half. Both teams needed to bounce back after uh, pretty embarrassing losses the week before, but only one did. It was the Saints' lowest score since round 8, 2016. They only had two goals up until the 19-minute mark and 49-second mark of the final quarter when Billings got their third and then Windhager got another one. Um, I don't know how you could say that the effort was still back. It, it, it certainly didn't look like that to my eye. And the Saints have got the Blues, Freo, the Western Bulldogs, West Coast, Hawthorne, the Cats, the Lions, and then the Swans again. Six out of their last eight, though, are at Marvel, which might help. Uh, and the Swans are starting... Uh, and. The Swans responded in a way that you'd expect of a team that's got top four aspirations. They've got Essendon, Western Bulldogs, Frio, Adelaide, the Giants, North Melbourne, the Pies and St Kilda to come. Um, just wanted to give you an explanation. Uh, we got this sent through to the AFL from the AFL, and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Collingwood uh, had a bit of a thriller yesterday against the Giants. 11 points they won by to climb to seventh on the ladder. They led by 37 points at three-quarter time. The Giants kicked seven goals to two in the final term. The Steel side bottom, with when he took his allocated, trying to take his allocated 30 seconds, the AFL have said that the umpire correctly called side bottom to play on. The instruction to umpires in this situation is that if a player is clearly delaying the play to consume time on the clock, the umpire will work through the normal general play process. That is, whistle the player, say move it on, then play on. Sidebottom was looking at the clock to try and use up the time. The umpire told him three times to move the ball on and then correctly called him to play on. So that's an explanation of the Steel's sidebottom 30 seconds. It's been debated uh, throughout the course uh, of the day. Uh, just quickly, Arthur in Caulfield on red cards. You for or against, Arthur? Oh, I'm all I'm all for it. Absolutely all for it. Yep. Um, I, I just can't believe that footy people in general would... Um, listen, I, I just preface in saying that I'm from a soccer background, but yep. I love my football just yep. like any Australian does. But I can't understand how, how you'd um, allow 
something like that to happen and then the other team is is basically suffering for it. I mean, there should be a red card. And listen, it's a brain fade. I, obviously, mm. the guy is not a thug, mm. but it's a brain fade. And if something like that does happen, they get a red card and the other team has to play with man, one man less. I mean, you think about it, if it actually got um, allowed, it will prevent people from maybe doing something. Hey, Arthur, hold that thought. We've got the Sporting Capital up next. Uh, let's continue that conversation on the other side of it. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.